Today we uh, will explore the most important thing, which is not really a thing. So we will explore the essence of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And I'm I'm excited and a bit nervous at the same time. <laughs> In my own in my own life, I mean, this is it. And we will try to explore what I mean with it. With it. Yeah. It's almost too much to say it. <laughs> and it seems to be also many Tibetan Buddhist lamas agree upon that. It is not only the essence of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, but also the essence of all spiritual paths. So my intention is uh, to share this uh, as much as I can, but also at least to make you curious or to put it on your agenda. Maybe not number one yet, but uh, it's going to be number one at one point because every, every other thing will fail. Every other thing, every other project will not bring you into peace. And to back this up, what I said, it's just Stefan Pende saying this, so you can have, uh, you can think, okay, yeah, it's just Stefan Pende saying this. So, but now he's holding the Dalai Lama. <laughs> this is from a book uh, which was published not, not so long ago, maybe two years ago. And it is, uh, the transcript of a teaching His Holiness gave uh, in, uh, in a Tsokshan center. So Tsokshan, the Tibetan term, mean, means great perfection. And the Tsokshan lineage within Tibetan Buddhism, they are radical in transmitting it. In this book, the title is very, uh, it's uh, The Heart of Meditation. And then the undertitle is The Recognition of Innermost Awareness. So the heart of meditation, the recognition of innermost awareness. And innermost awareness is Jeffrey Hopkins' translation of the Tibetan word Rigpa. So it is Rigpa. Yeah. It, it has many different names in the Tibetan tradition, ultimate bodhicitta or the ground or the clear light the clear light mind or the pure mind or non-dual awareness or so many different names for it <coughs> and the holiness writes uh, well it's a transcript of a talk he says uh, in the beginning i have great interest 
in the statement by many wise persons in all the orders of Tibetan Buddhism that their systems come down to the same final principle and I feel that this is what I should and must explain. Such an exploration may be controversial, but in any case, but in any case, these great scholar, scholar yogis <coughs> say that all these systems come down to the same final basic insight, to the same final basic insight, the same principle, because there is indeed a final basic experience on which they all alight. There's no way they would say this just to be polite. Once there must be such a place of coming together, what is it? So what is it? And that's what we are going to <laughs> approach. <coughs> and what is it? I mean, the it is already too much. It's not an it. It's not an object. So it, it's difficult to say anything. Because as soon as I open my mouth it's too much it already distorts the start it, 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 it is distorting the simplicity it, it, it anything I would I would say and I'm going to say things but Anything what is being said already makes it too complicated. This is difficult for us because we have a need to know, we have a need to understand, we have a need to give meaning. It's in our nervous system, it's, it's how we build. So there's many possible responses to that, like frustration or boredom or fear or all kinds of possible responses. Because our conceptual mind needs to make sense of, of what is being said. And if that's not possible, then in Western psychology this is called cognitive dissonance. It's like our mind tries to have create security through understanding, through stories, through giving meaning. And a lot of the Buddhist teachings they do that and that's fine. But they do that so that there is, uh, there is the possibility that at one point you can let go. So that at one point you feel safe enough to let go into not knowing, 
not understanding. So all the other stuff I talked about so far in this course belongs to the provisional teachings. They are not going to make it. None of them. Even if you become... And that's you, know, you can back that bu- back that up, back that up with many uh, you know, quotes of of Shanti Deva. Many say that. So they have their they are very precious and they have their place, but they are not sufficient. Yeah. So when I say provisional, that does not mean for a year or two or 10, or 30, or 50, or 20 lifetimes, or 50 lifetimes. So not like that. So to, 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 get, to get there where we are, that you are just sitting here, and you don't run screaming out of the room when I start to talk about this, this is very, very fortunate. It's very fortunate that somehow even if I don't make really sense tonight, something, something keeps you here because I have talked about it before, and you know, I see that you come back. At least, you know, some of you. <laughs> so, yeah. So my my main uh, my main purpose in life is to deepen my. I don't know how to say it. Deepen my recognition for the purpose of sharing it. Because if you if you want to share something which really is the ultimate medicine, then of course that's the only thing in your life uh, what you want to do to explore different ways, different gestures uh, to transmit this. There's nothing else uh, more important. So let's uh, sit quietly and uh, let's do it a bit different this time, a bit more, bit more unstructured so that you have some space to settle and reconnect with the body and the breath. Allow the shift to happen from the doing to the being, from the head into the body.
thoughts continue to arise, but they become less important. Just being here, being who you are. In a moment where there is nothing to do, where you don't need to understand anything or pretend something. Allowing this moment to be what it is. Exactly as it is. if there's movement in your body and in your mind, maybe there's some discomfort, maybe you're tired, still it's possible to appreciate the space or the stillness which arises when we sit quietly together in the spirit of compassion, protected by the teachings of the Buddha. Could you allow yourself to find a place of rest in the midst of your experience, just as it is? A place of rest. and expand, expanding your heart into the presence we share. You have everything you need to be complete. You have everything you need to be complete right now. And of course your mind probably comes up with stories, tries to hook you, it's fine. Just return to your heart, return to the presence, return to listening with your whole body. Forget yourself, 
returning, resting, opening. And then we call upon the presence of our masters, teachers, mentors. Just appreciate that we are protected and, and guided. And returning. No thinking will bring you home. No thinking will bring you to peace. Give up thinking. Let everything come and go and stay at that and stay with that which remains. Meditating like the sky, with a heart like the sky. If you notice that you try to attain something or you try to get rid of something, see if you can relax that grasping like you would open a fist. also happen. beginning of the, of the teaching His Holiness he, he shares some, some of the names of this and he says in the, in the text we en inherited from India the basic principle is sometimes called 
the fundamental innate mind of clear light. The fundamental innate mind of clear light. And the f- and the fundamental innate wisdom clear light. Another text that is called Space Diamond Pervading Space. Whereas in even others it is called the Jewel Mind. In some texts it is called Ordinary Consciousness and Innermost Awareness. I sometimes call it, call it natural awareness or non-dual awareness or pure awareness. So innermost awareness. Maybe I can stick a bit with one word, otherwise it's a bit confusing. Rikpa, maybe. Maybe it's good to use a Tibetan term, then, then we don't know what it is, which is... <laughs> how it is <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so let's 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 call it rigpa and Jeffrey Hopkins translation is innermost awareness this translation rigpa is innermost awareness the essence the essence of everything so so far the last six evenings, we have looked at the content of our experience. So, I guess that's obvious what I mean with the content. The content of your awareness. What you are aware of. So this, uh, this level of mind in the Tibetan tradition is called Sem. Sem. So Sam is basically the five, the streams of the five, the streams of the sense data of the five senses, and what the conceptual mind does with it. So there's the stream of the, you know, the, the information you get through the five senses, and then the, there's the labels you put on, the stories you tell about them, good, bad and so on and so on, and, and giving it meaning, uh, project, projecting meaning into it. Uh, so this is Sam. So in the image of the clouds and the sky, it's the cloud. And it's obvious how by changing the way we relate to our, the content of our experience, how, how important that is. That that, that is really a, a very important key to have in life. That it is not about what is happening, it is about how you relate to it. What meaning you give it. What stories you tell. This is a very fundamental uh, empowering insight which you find in I mean, in Greek philosophy, uh, you know, so it's not just like in Buddhism more. So, and it, and it's 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 quite easy to experience and understand. 
And this is so, I mean, this is so, I mean, this is so empowering. <coughs> in, in the Tibetan tradition, it's called attitude training. So you, 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 you explore different ways to relate to your, to the mess of your life. So the mess is not going to go away. I'm sorry to say that again. <laughs> no, the mess is, co- is also called sometimes samsara. Samsara is unfixable. It's going to be difficult. And there's nothing we can do about it. So that's a big step to do in one's life, to give up the hope for a better future. That we just need to do the right thing and then we will end up in a good place. There is no good place. It sucks everywhere. No matter what you, what you do, it sucks. It's difficult. And it's not your fault. It's not because your parents screwed you up, or it's not the government. It's It's not your fault. To demand it to be different would be to demand the the flame to to not to be hot. You shouldn't be hot. So this is th- this insight was so important for the Buddha that it was the first thing he said after his awakening. It's called the f- the first noble truth, huh? the truth of suffering, the truth of dukkha. So, peace cannot be found on that level. Fulfillment cannot be found on that level. Because that level is conditioned, so it comes and goes. So any, any conditioned peace, which is, is relying on being healthy, being loved, you know, being successful in your career, it's fine, it's, it's good. I mean, if you don't waste it for you know, thinking that this is it, so, but, but it's good, yeah. But it's it's not going to it's not going to make it for you. It's not going to it's not to, going to quench your thirst. Pema Shurtan calls that heartbreak with samsara, and it is a heartbreak. You have, if you have invested so many energy and so many hours of this precious human life trying to, to do exactly that, uh, there will be resistance to, to acknowledge that I wouldn't say it's a waste of time 
to relax that, to relax that grasping. It's, it's, it's difficult, particularly in our culture, where it's all about that. I mean, if you don't have that area in your life under control, you are seen as a failure. So there's also quite a lot of pressure within us. It's so difficult to, to get to liberate yourself from. So, as a provisional teaching, again, a provisional teaching, (laughs) initially it makes sense to make this, to make it, to distinguish it from Sam, To, to distinguish Rigpa from Sam as if they are two different things, like in the image of the clouds and the sky. So the clouds and the sky is a provisional kind of introductory teaching into non-dual awareness. So there's Sam and then there's Rigpa in our most awareness. So in a way what we become curious about in our meditation, and sometimes this happens naturally, so it's not even kind of uh, that you get these kind of teachings, it it just happens, and and this is what happens. So you work with the content of your experience, you recognize uh, dukkha, uh, 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 anicca, dukkha and anatta, and you do attitude trainings, and then at one point you might get curious about, okay, there is an experience, be it good or bad, and there is also the awareness of it, the knowing of it, the knowing of the experience. And the knowing of an experience, that knowingness, is always the same. It does not matter what kind of experience it is. It can be joy, it can be anxiety. The knowing of it is the same. And so this is where the practice of Mahamudra, so Mahamudra starts, the vipassana of the nature of mind, the insight into the nature of mind, into the nature of awareness, into the nature of consciousness. So it is a bit like this. Um, so, So when we look, we look at the content. We are not interested into that which is looking, or we are not interested in where the looking comes from. We are busy with giving meaning and working with what we see. So now, we start to roll our eyes back 
It's like we roll our eyes back and we look, we look, we try to look into that which is looking. So this is, so it is like this. So we do like this usually, and now you, you go like this, and then you relax. So what do you see? Yeah. What do you see? What do you become aware of when you ask the question, what is aware? Where is my attention coming from? I give you another example. Uh, let's imagine this is a flashlight. And it's, and the the, the light is uh, symbolizing awareness. So the light is illuminating things in the same way awareness is illuminating things. So in, so far we have just used the flashlight and we looked at the objects. Yeah. So now the question arises, hey, yeah, I'm aware, I illuminate things, I'm aware of them. So, what is the light? So, initially it feels a bit as if you kind of take one of the light beams, yeah, and you turn it around, and you look into the light. But with what are you looking? You're looking with the light. So the light, the light is looking into what it is already. That's why it can't, it can't see anything. So I'm going to say something now which Maybe not doesn't make sense yet, but at one point this might might be useful. Sam can't recognize Rigpa. Only Rigpa can recognize, Rigpa. and it has already recognized itself. Of course, what we are trying now, we're trying now to, un, to to reach Rigpa with Sam, because you know that's what we do. And that's fine, initially, yeah, so it's fine. So, because that's, that's how we function, but it's hopeless. It, it could be that you need to do it for 20 years. But, but it, it, it's not going to... It, 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 Sam has not the capacity to recognize Rikpa. So, in a way, tonight, I'm not talking to you. I'm trying to sneak around you. <laughs> so, 
I'm trying to talk from, from Rigpa to Rigpa. And, and you might freak out, or you might get bored, or you might get, you know, that's it. Or, in a, in, if it goes well, then you get curious, yeah? Or you get like, yeah, wow, this is what I want to have. The Dalai Lama says this is the best, yeah? <laughs> so, so that's good, yeah? So, so that's good. But, but that, you know, which thinks, oh, yeah, wow, this is the essence. What is it? I need to find it. That's, that's not going to find it. And there is, uh, there is a certain understanding slowly arising then, uh, understanding which is conceptual, where you realize this is it. But when we realize this is it, this kind of realizing is like same. Yes. Okay. Yes. And if same change, how and to what it change after realizing of Rigpa? Yeah. So in the in the recognition of Rigpa, uh, in the recognition in, in in any moment of recognition, and we're talking about short about short moments in the moment at the moment, short moments, like glimpses, where you fall into the gap, yeah? where you dissolve into that which is bigger than you, where you step into the, where you step backward into the groundlessness. So short moments. In each of the short moments, the innate intelligence of Rigpa, the radiance of Rigpa, has a little has a little flesh out. So this, and this intelligence is in the Tibetan Buddhist teachings, is described as the five Buddha wisdoms. Yeah? So these five colors, and we, we have looked at them and we have explored them. So they start to bloom. Yeah? So creativity comes. The wish to benefit to share comes. The knowing what is the best to do in each moment to serve others in the best way comes. So your Buddha quality starts to flower. So here in this this approach, uh, Buddha nature is not something which you develop or these qualities of compassion and patience and they are not things to develop, but they are already innate and they start to shine more and more. More and more you can more and more the more and more you relax in, in the gap into into the gap, into the gap of Sam, within the gaps of Sam. And initially, when sometimes the, 
the recognition of Rigpa is quite dramatic for people. For some people, it's, it sneaks into their life and they hardly notice it. And then just five years later, they realize, wow, what, what has happened? Where are my problems? <laughs> this used to freak me out completely. I don't know. Yeah? But for some people it is, it is dramatic. And then, and then uh, you know, experience, you know, this is also you know, what in other traditions is called Kundalini awakening. Or, so it also goes with uh, changes in your subtle energy body. And, and sometimes this can be dramatic. So when people have a, an experience of oneness with everything, which is what happens with the experience of Rigpa. So this can be incredible joyful, blissful, like ecstasy, but it can be also very scary because, it, because it's, it's, it's what's going to happen in the death process. So the recognition, the recognition of Rigpa is dying. I mean, it's, it's the same as in dying. So the process, this journey, is a little journey we can do only now. It's a little journey being the content of your experience to being the boundaryless space, boundaryless knowing space within which your experience is held. So this little journey, it's not really a journey, but of course, somehow there's two different ways to be here right now. One is being contracted around the content of your experience with a strong sense of I. Yeah? That's one way. Particularly now if you argue with me or you get upset or you feel confused. Yeah? So, or the other way to be here, and that's why I call it a journey, is to relax that completely through allowing it to be and recognizing or being that which is already in peace. Being that which is bigger than the whole thing. The, everything you experience right now. There's something which is bigger than that. And that which is bigger remains. It's the only thing which remains. Which, which remains untouched. So from the point of Rigpa, it, it doesn't matter at all if you are happy or unhappy or sad or... It doesn't matter. The knowing of it is the same. And the knowing of it is in peace. And the knowing of it is love. It's, it's, it's essence love. So this little journey can be, can be done only now. There's no other 
there's no other moment where this journey can be done. In one year, you're not going to be in a better place to do this little journey. It's the same. Now, if you fix some of your problems now, in one year, and you feel a bit more stable in one year, it's the same journey. It doesn't matter. So there's nothing, there's nothing you need. No knowledge, no health, no like more stability in your life to do this little journey. And it's it's only it's really only possible now because this is all there is. Everything is fantasy. Past is finished. Future has not come. This is it. So how to do this little journey? Yeah. And then your, your only practice will be, at one point, to make this little journey, I mean like 10 times an hour, for the beginning. They are about, you know, stabilizing and uh, creating the what is called merit, the vitality, or the the, awa- the, alert, the awakeness in your mind. So that if it if it's done well and gentle and 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 wise, then the probability of this little journey that it's going to happen and that you can do it is, is bigger. Like, I mean, in a panic attack, to remember Rigpa, it's almost impossible. Not because it's gone or it's not there, because you are aware that you have a panic attack. Yeah? But you're so, I mean, you're so busy with the content of your experience and you take it so serious that that this little journey seems to be, seems to be far away. Yeah? So, the, so it's not a waste of time, you know, the purification practice, accumulation of merit and so on. Also some intellectual understanding, which is what we're doing right now, a bit of an intellectual understanding, which makes, which kind of creates some safety. So, so that we actually we actually become interested in this little tiny journey, in this effortless journey, in this very simple journey. So this, uh, this, this journey can be triggered by all kinds of practices, through all kinds of ways. And one word for this kind of practices is glimpse practices. Because what we are realizing is that it's not like, oh, this is an insight, and then that's it. But that it is something we need to repeat again and again for short moments. And initially it might be only a second. And then 10 seconds. And then 10 minutes and then maybe a few hours. Well, sometimes it, it happens to people 
that they drop into this and and they they stay there for days or weeks and then if it's if it's your home it's it's already your home but you have not recognized it and you're already there but you don't know it but if it's if it's if you made that shift uh, when you say I so a Buddha also says I but when the Buddha says I no, when we say I it's like no. yeah it's I yeah and then the whole my problems my history my roles blah 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 and probably I'm not good enough like at the core you know so like I'm not good enough. So that's our I. So when a Buddha says I, it's like I. I. So then if that if that is like that's and so, and you are able to embody it, and you are you are able to you are able to uh, bring it into your relationships and your daily life. Then, then you would be called a Buddha. Uh, so then you would be called an awakened one. So these glimpse practices, uh, I will talk about it a bit uh, after the break. Um, some, I mean, this kind of experience, for many of us, they are also triggered through li- life circumstances. Yeah? So many of us had experience of the boundarylessness of your being. Your dis- it's like dissolving of losing yourself and dissolving into, into the nature when you make love, when, when there's either intensive experiences uh, like birth or death, where some, some Describe it in your own words, depending on you know your understanding. So you would give different meaning to that experience. Maybe you would say something like, "I was in the presence of the divine. I felt safe. <clears throat> there was nothing more to do for me. I was at peace. I was content. I I didn't need anything, anything else. There was nothing." There was nothing to add to, or nothing to take away. It's all perfect. It's all perfect as it is, including, including, what w- including what I would usually call problems, but but suddenly I can't find them. I know they are still there, but I I I can't find them. They, somehow they don't matter, or I don't know. Yeah. So, so that these are moments where where this 
shift, that this recognition arises spontaneously. Yes. And does your pre-recognition of Rikpa affect the state that you're going to be in? I'm thinking about that it seems like it takes a little bit of different expressions within different traditions. Yes. You almost never see a, a Buddhist that is blissful. Mm. I have never seen one. Constantly laughing. But in yeah, yes, they are. Possible. Yes. They are Buddhas, or constantly laughing. They are fat, and they have children crawling on them. It's a Chinese Maitreya, yeah. and they just smile and they, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm. It seems to be that there's like different dimensions or different flavors and different expressions. So when I say that. Um, that this is what all religious tradition point to. I'm. I rather would say they point to different facets or different tastes or different qualities of it. So. Uh, so I I wouldn't just simply say you know they're talking about the same thing. Yes, but they they talk first. Of course, their words and their languages and their belief systems influence the way they talk about it. But it, it, it seems that there can be like different qualities in it. And one of them is uh, this, uh, let's say, let's call it the love quality. So, and you have that you know, when, you, when you are in the presence of people who who have awakening experience and who transmit it, you, you will feel different qualities. You know, sometimes it, it comes through quite, quite into kind of quite a quite cold bit like, yeah, and sometimes it, it's clearly connected with the heart. So it has different qualities, and uh, that's why I like to receive these transmissions within all traditions. So I, I seek out people uh, from the different traditions, and I, I find that very enriching. So in one, on one hand, I clearly have the feeling, I have the experience they're talking exactly about what is being talked in the Tibetan tradition, but there's a bit of a, the rainbow has a bit of a different kind of color or something like that. Could it be different stages of it? Yes, that's also. So that's that's another, you know, it's like, uh, obviously there are stages of awakening and depth of insight into this. Yes. Mm. Yes. So um, is this journey or recognition would you say that that's what people who talk about ego, death, are referring to mostly, but in a clumsy way? Yeah. They equate Sam with the ego. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. For us, Sam is is uh, is always interpreted from an egoic process. Yeah. Uh, so, Sam is happening to me. 
and that that me to to which Sam is happening uh, that uh, that dies so that's that's where also the the fear or the anxiety can come from in this in the in this process it's really like an actually going through the death process you know, I'm sometimes lead this meditation in retreat and in the Tibetan tradition the death process is described as the eight dissolutions and you are kind of guided through the process of dying so they describe very much in detail how the how the senses and how the conceptual mind starts to dissolve and then dissolve and then dissolve so everything what you think you are is dissolving you can't hold it anymore you, your 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 mind does not have the power anymore to hold things like your name or your relationships or your purpose or any kind of intellectual knowledge it's it, it, it's dissolving yeah so so more layer after layer so the the death uh, to be guided in this death meditation is one possible way to to be guided into into this into that which remains yeah that that which is aware of the eight stages eight stages does not change during the death process and then at the end of the death process in the eighth stage which is called the dawning of the clear light mind and this is exactly you know one of the words his holiness uses for for rigpa so in the teachings on the death process this is called the clear light mind 